You're listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer with Gina Militia, one of Australia's leading portrait celebrity and lifestyle photographers. With over 25 years' experience in the industry, Gina is a pro photographer who regularly travels the world shooting for some of the country's top magazines and advertisers. She is author of four best-selling books on photography, runs workshops and mentors aspiring photographers all around the world. In conversation with journalist, interviewer and budding amateur photographer Valerie Koo, Gina reveals what it takes to build a successful photography business, provides a sneak peek into life behind the lens and talks about her tips and techniques to get the perfect shot. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 244 of So You Want to Be a Photographer. My name's Valerie Koo and I'm here with Gina Militia. Now we've had a little bit of a break with our podcast episodes, just a couple of weeks and uh, one of the reasons is because I actually headed down to Melbourne and I saw Gina just a few days ago but sadly it was not under the best circumstances because Gina's beautiful mother, Rosa, passed away recently. Are you okay, Gina? Oh, it's been a tough few weeks, Val. Um, it was great to see you during the week. Um, yeah, uh, hard on the family, losing the matriarch and I guess uh, a lot of the members uh, of the uh, Facebook community and the listeners to this podcast have heard me talk about my mum on many occasions and, uh, yeah, it's been really tough. But I've been uh, supported by, you know, surrounded with by a great deal of uh, love and support. So I feel like I've been turned inside out, but, uh, you know, mm. I'll, I'll, I'll get through this. <laughs> well, you've got a wonderful family. And, of course, I know that your mum was extremely proud of you. Beautiful, beautiful woman. Thanks, Val. All right. So let's uh, move on to this week's episode, which is all about your headshot photography questions answered. Mm. So I'm keen to get um, stuck into that. We've got quite a few questions from yep. different people from the podcast listener community. Oh, and by the way, if you want to join our free listener community on Facebook, just go to So You Want to Be a Photographer podcast community. Search for that on Facebook and request to join. It's free to join. Now, we have a link and a big shout out though to one of our members of the gold community, which is the membership, the paid membership. And that is Natalie Ord. She has an exhibition on in Sydney. It's the head-on exhibition, which is awesome. And she says, I'm presenting a condensed version of my solo exhibition, Rise, in a group exhibition in Redfern. Now, the head-on exhibition is a really fantastic photographic exhibition in Sydney with um, oh, so much, like quite a variety of photographers from all different styles and genres. So it's definitely worth checking out. And as I said, Natalie is um, one of the cool members of the gold community. And we want to also give a big shout out to some of the returning members, quite a few returning members who've um, taken a little break, but they have come back. And if you're interested in finding out a little bit more about the gold community, have a listen to this. Hey 
Hey guys, are you an enthusiast or pro photographer who wants to take their photography to the next level? I'd love the opportunity to work with you and I want to introduce you to my Gold Community. The Gold Community is an educational resource where members get access to photography courses and regular tutorials. There's over 200 tutorials with more being added each month. In these tutorials, I take you on set with me and I share my thought process behind scouting locations, posing and directing models, lighting and post-production. You get to see the entire shoot from start to finish, from surface in Sri Lanka using a single speed light to character portraits on the streets of Sicily using daylight or high-end studio shoots where I share all my posing and connecting hacks. There's also regular photo critiques, monthly live calls and heaps more. As a member, you'll also have access to my exclusive Facebook group and online forum where you'll be able to connect with other members from all over the world. So what are you waiting for? Join the Gold community today and start taking the kind of photos you've always dreamed of. You can check it out at ginamilitia.com. If you think the gold community sounds like something that you would be interested in, make sure that you check it out. And also, I just wanted to stand corrected. Natalie, until recently, was a member of the gold community, but she's obviously learnt so much. She's gone out there <laughs> to the big wide world and is even having major exhibitions at uh, big festivals. So she's killing you, it, Natalie. Good on you, Nat. Killing it. Right. Now, we have this week's topic, your headshot photography questions answered, because there are often some common questions. Yeah. And um, we're answering some real questions. And the first one is from Liz. Now, when we've, um, by the way, when we've included some of the uh, examples, some of the photographs, you'll find these over at the show notes at ginamilitia.com. That's M-I-L-I-C-I-A, in case you want to have a look at them. But, you know, if you're driving the car, you don't need to either. Now, Liz's question is, I am completely new to lighting. I know how to use my camera. I bought a Godox V860 flash, which I'm learning, but I've realized I need a stand and a softbox to get consistent lighting for portraits. Or do I? I have no idea and don't want to spend my hard-earned cash on stuff I won't use later. Can anyone please point me in the right direction as to what I need? And uh, Liz says she plans to photograph children and pets both indoors and outdoors. Good question. Yeah. Gina. All right. So, and and also, Liz, I love that you've said that you don't want to spend your hard-earned cash on stuff you won't need la- later down the track, which is, I think, a mistake that a lot of new photographers make That is that they think that it's all about the gear before you actually have the skills. And what I've always recommended to students is you need to grow with the gear as you learn. So it's perfectly fine to start out with entry level everything and then really focus on learning the skills first because it's like Val going out Mm. and buying yourself a Maserati, which would fit nicely (laughs) in your driveway, I reckon. No, it won't go up. Oh, it wouldn't go up because they Just, sit too low, so low, don't they? Yeah, and then and they scrape their driving. nose, which is probably That's the right. most heartbreaking sound for mm. any Maserati owner. So I can never have a Maserati. You can never have a Maserati. You mm. you need a like a, a, a big fat-wheeled car <laughs> that sits up high. Yep. It's quite steep, yep. your driveway. Mm, your is. whole street is. Mm, yes. Mm. 
So, but having a Maserati and then only driving it around in first gear is the equivalent of buying all the gear before <laughs> you have the skills, right? So you want to yeah. be able to get into, they've probably got eight gears, I reckon, get into sixth or seventh gear in your Maserati. So <laughs> I recommend, Liz, that that Godox, I have to say, I've got so much love for Godox. Mm. And it's like the... Uh, they're, they're very, very reasonably priced. And so like Godox and Yongnuo, when you're starting out, fantastic. And I actually am now recommending Godox to even um, uh, pro photographers. And the difference with the the uh, cheaper or budget lighting compared to, say, a, a higher-end style of lighting is going to be a couple of things. The build quality of the actual unit and also the colour of the light that it outputs. So if you're going to spend um, mega bucks on a high-end like a, a B1 or a B2 light or some of the other uh, uh, professional brands, even Canon, Nikon, and all the others are speed lights, you're going to get uh, a, a style of light that's outputted from these units that's going to be completely neutral. It won't have a color cast. But what I find with the... Uh, the less expensive brands is there going to there's going to be a slight color cast. You might get a bit of green or magenta, but when you're learning, not noticeable. So it's mm. perfectly fine. And as I say, I use the Godox system when I travel, and I've even been using it for uh, some of my pro uh, shoots uh, when I need to do run and gun stuff. So goodbye there, Liz, with the um, really good purchase with the Godox. Mm. what you need you do need a, a light stand and unless you've got an assistant with you at all times or a voice activated light stand that you can just say dave take a step to the left dave take a step to the right that, that's the voice activated but the downside of the voice activated light stand is you've got to feed them You've got to yes. be nice to them. You can't like you can't just bark out orders. You've got to say please and thank you. They can be temperamental, Val. Yes, right. They can. So, and they're not on call twenty four seven. But a light stand um, gets rid of all these dilemmas, and you can just put the put the flash on the light stand, set it up next to your model, and away you go. Now. The cheaper light stands, uh, the disadvantage of going super, super cheap is eventually they're going to fall apart. And the super cheap light stands are very light and very flimsy. And so you might have that they might topple over. So what you can do is you can still get the cheaper light stand. So about 30 bucks. Uh, make sure that it's going to be tall enough to light your subject because some of them might not expand tall enough. How many light stands have you got now, Val? Oh, um, yeah, lots. And so you <laughs> you just bought yourself a new light kit, continuous lighting, didn't you? Yes, I did. Yeah, so what were the light stands that came with that like? Yeah, they're a bit uh, spindly. Spindly, that's a good word. Yeah, yeah. So, so again, it comes down to the build and how they're going to last. So if you're thinking, Liz, that this is something I'm going to use this light stand, and I think, I think with light stands, it's kind of a good idea. Light stands and tripods, uh, my approach is to buy once and buy well. So get something that's going to last a dis 
distance. And the good news is light stands and tripods are a dime a dozen on uh, eBay and Gumtree and sites like that where people have purchased them, spent spent the bucks, but then decided that they're never going to use them. So, And I've bought several secondhand light stands for bargain prices. So maybe have a look or there's lots of Facebook groups where there's like buy, swap and sell for photography gear and they're they're there all the time. So maybe look at a secondhand one if you don't mind. If you want that new light stand smell, then get yourself a new one. But if you don't mind your light stand having a few scratches and a bit of character, then definitely go secondhand. There's not a lot that can go wrong. Uh, If you get a chance to look at it, you might want to check stuff like it hasn't been used at the beach and it's got like sand stuffed between the um, cushioned... Uh, you know, the risers, because then they're kind of gritty and they're hard to um, put up and set down. But aside from that, there's not much that can go wrong. All right. So Mm -hmm. light stand. My recommendation when you're starting out uh, using lighting is to have your flash and with whenever you buy any flash, you get this little plastic dome diffuser that goes with it. Just use that to start with. Next, if you want to have a a modifier to soften the light, here's what I suggest. This is the cheapest, and it's a a crowd pleaser as well. You go down to your local donut shop or pastry shop, and uh, you buy yourself some uh, Nutella-filled donuts, and they come in these white paper bags, right? Eat the donuts, Mm -hmm. right? Share them with friends if you want to be, like, kind, and then you take that bag and you place it over your modifier, like you blow it up like a like a balloon, and then you place it over your modifier with a, an elastic band, and you've got a very cheap modifier. Now, if you're not the if you're the kind of person that doesn't like the chocolate smeared on the inside of your bag, then when you're buying the donuts, ask them to give you another bag. And the pristine bag will do the job. The other place that you can find good diffusers, cheap, is airsick bags. Work just as well. Oh, yeah. Right? But you've got to look out for the ones. So you go with a budget airline because the more budget the airline, they're less likely to have all the, uh, you know, Qantas or, you know, Singapore Airlines or whatever uh, put on them and they'll just be plain white bags. You don't want the print or advertising on the outside of the airbags. You know, do you remember when you used to get uh, airsick bags and they doubled as you could put your film in them and send them to – do you remember that? Oh, yes, I remember, yes. A friend of mine, she used to develop all her film that way. So you could put your film in the the airsick bag. In the airsick bag. Yeah, yeah, and send it off to the chemist. Where you got mm. your films processed. So yeah. white bags. What a bizarre business. Like who thought that? Let's mm. let's I think that's a really clever idea though, to put advertising mm. on an airsick bag. Mm. So that that is a very, very cheap modifier and, and all that plastic dome cap that you get with the speed light. And then I recommend, Liz, before you blow any money on a softbox or an octabox or worry about anything like that, I suggest that you invest in a styrofoam head that you can get from art supply shops or uh, where they sell that place that I'm scared of going, Spotlight. 
where they sell uh, what's it haberdashery bell is that the word for yeah yeah so so those places where uh, you can buy uh, material and craft supplies but the ladies in there do have a tone so I'm just warning you that uh, um, beware of that and so you can get yourself a styrofoam head and uh, I (laughs) I'm a weirdo aren't I you paint it a mid-grey because that's going to best reflect like an average skin tone and then you want to have two light stands one to place your styrofoam head on the second to place your light on and then in the comfort of your own home without the pressure of someone judging you as you're trying to learn lighting just give yourself like an hour a day or two hours a day and practice and get your lighting right and um, practice the different lighting styles. We've done several podcasts on what what all the different lighting styles are. So so dig through the, the archives and check those out. And just in the comfort and in your own time, do that. That is going to be a better investment than any softbox or any octobox or any beauty dish that you can buy. Then when you're really confident, move to... Um, sort of warm props, which is a person. A warm prop is the name in the uh, t- TV industry or and uh, modelling industry. That's what we call an alive person. So get yourself, start working with uh, friends or pets, uh, you know, first so that, you, that, that someone that's not going to roll their eyes while you do it. So I don't re- recommend teenagers because they – tend to roll their eyes a lot while you're trying to photograph them. So someone who's going to – another photographer will be a great subject to photograph because they will um, have more empathy and and it will be an easier job. And then work on to, like, trying to photograph work colleagues and strangers and things like that. Once you get the hang of working, say, with this paper bag for lighting, which will do a beautiful job, then I recommend – getting a cheap softbox. The larger the softbox, the softer the light's going to be and you can get those online for about $30. Bear in mind that the cheaper the, the make of the softbox, the uh, the more of a um, – you need to be a member of Mensa to actually put these together, <laughs> right, which you probably already are, aren't you, Val? No. No, really? That surprises I, me. Close? I haven't. I haven't, haven't tried. You haven't measured your IQ lately? I haven't. Wow, you should. You'd probably get in. Um, <laughs> so that the, the, the really cheap soft boxes will have like lots of moving parts and you'll get this diagram that's probably in a language that you've never seen before and you have to follow the diagrams and the pictures and you do. You need something like a science degree or an engineering degree to put them together. So if you have one of those, then by all means buy the cheaper ones. But that's that's the downside of investing in a cheaper one. The ones that are a bit better priced, like they'll practically, it's like one switch and they open up and they're ready to set up. And so set up and pack down is really quick. So that's that's something that you want to factor in. You, if you've got that cheap one and you've got someone standing in front of you and you're trying to put it together and you've lost one of the one of the crucial little dooga higgies, right? Which is a technical, technical term, term. Yeah. for the little okay. bit that goes into the who's a watsy, right? Mm. Then mm. and that's happened to me where you go, oh no, I left the who's a watsy at home. How do I put this whole thing together? That's the downside. So, um, again, 
and then you'll having used a, like a couple of these and you can borrow friends, you'll know what your lighting style is going to be. You might be someone who prefers a softbox. You might be someone who prefers to light with uh, harder lighting, but I recommend a softbox over harder lighting. And they're all the things that you want to consider before you invest your hard-earned bucks there, Liz. Okay. Wow. Great, great advice. So we have another question from Jenny and um, Jenny says, hey there, I'm working on my first headshots portfolio and looking for some feedback. And uh, Jenny has provided a series of um, three different people and a doggy, <laughs> uh, um, their headshots, which are taken, they seem like they're in a park. There's lots of greenery in the background and, um, and, and basically it's um, a, a lot of greenery in the background with the person in the foreground and the background is out of focus so that it's a nice kind of backdrop for most of them. Mm. Um, yeah, and if you want to have a look, we will put the images in the show notes over at ginamilitia.com. But otherwise, um, it looks like they could, they could be from a family, but possibly from an office because there's a guy wearing a tie. You just make that assumption. How do you know that he doesn't dress like that for dinner? Maybe he, he, maybe he does. Maybe he is from Downton Abbey. Do you have to be from Downton Abbey to dress like that for dinner? No, you don't. <laughs> do, do your, do your, does your son wear a tie to dinner? No, I don't think he's ever worn a tie in his life. He refuses. Okay. Mm. All right. Anyway, so what uh, is your feedback on this, Gina? Firstly, Jenny, I think you've done a beautiful lot, a beautiful job uh, balancing the light in these images and also capturing a really uh, natural and warm smile. I can see that in each of these shots, including the dog, Lily Bear, <laughs> beautiful dog. It's Beautiful. probably a ho it looks like those a big dog. It's like one Adorable. of those cross, uh, yeah. Uh, all have like that smile that is also in the eyes, which is really important when you're doing a portrait. So lovely connection. So I can see that you're uh, doing a good job and doing all the hard work uh, to get all of that. So to take these images to the next level. The first thing that you want to think about is often a lot of new photographers really get hung up on the location. So you'll find a location and think this is going to be amazing for portraits, but not think about what kind of lighting you've got going on there. And uh, often I can see that you're in a park. Uh, the background is like lots of uh, green foliage, but you can see that there is a bit of dappled light hitting the 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 port the the person yes. in a couple of the examples so and the the problem with uh, dappled light is to the naked eye we're not seeing uh, often you don't see it so if you're photographing someone under a canopy of trees when when the sun's out the the light might actually look even but then when you get your photos back into Lightroom or Photoshop or whatever you're editing them in, you start to see these little pockets of light because the camera will see uh, the, the tonal range will be a great a lot greater than the, nat the, the naked eye as opposed mm. to the dressed eye. It's a dumb word, isn't it, naked eye? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Just thought of that, you know. So um, – my suggestion is to always test the 
the area that you want to be shooting someone in and make sure that the light is absolutely solid, clean, uh, mm. open shade and there isn't any dappled light. What I like to do is I'll just get my hand and sort of uh, hold it in the position where the person might be and just try and look for any like splashes of light or then take a test shot and really zoom in and have a look and make yeah. sure that you don't have any dappled light. And if you're ever in doubt, you can get a diffuser, uh, which is the inside panel of your five-in-one reflector and uh, get someone to hold it over the model so that you get rid of any of that dappled light. Because often the light under there is not, is quite nice, but the little dapples onto the head can be a bit distracting because the naked eye valve... <laughs> The eye without clothes can, can uh, you, you know, when you're looking at a photo, uh, the first spot the eye looks is the brightest spot in the frame. And so in one of the portraits of the guy who's dressed for dinner, uh, the there's a hot spot right on his head and that's the first place my eye looks. So you want to avoid right. that. All right. So Always, when you're thinking of a location to do a headshot, light if light is the first thing you want to look for, good light. And that's why we always recommend that the best light for headshots, if you're shooting with daylight, is garage lighting, which is, Val, you do this so well, so I'm going to let you describe <laughs> garage lighting. I love garage lighting ever since Gina taught it to me. So basically garage lighting is so called because it can often be found in a garage, but you don't have to be in a garage at all. You can be anywhere. But if you imagine that you are in the doorway or, or of the roller door of a garage and uh, there is an awning above you, or you don't actually have to have an awning above you, you can just be in the doorway of the garage and then the in front of you is the concrete or the asphalt or the road or the pavement, whatever the word is that you use in your country, and um, you're standing in the shade bit, so you're in the doorway, and the sun will uh, shine onto the pavement and then bounce back onto your face. And uh, that is garage lighting and it's beautiful. Yeah, so it's, it's like a directional lighting and it's beautiful, soft, fill lighting and it's perfect for headshots so you look for instances where you see that and that's like ideal for uh, these types of headshots the other thing and I know that Jenny that you've said that the there's a image of a brunette that has been edited and I can see that you've also managed to correct the white balance because mm. when you're photographing in a park one of the biggest things that you need to watch out for is that the if there's sun, it's going to be hitting the grass and then bouncing back into um, the person's face. Now, the undressed eye, the naked eye, is not going to see the uh, colour cast that that's going to cause. The green so, tinge. Green tinge. Now, you can see it. Like if we didn't have the edited image in the show notes here of the brunette where you've removed the green uh, tinge by um, using white balance and we were just looking at all the uh, green tinted images, we actually probably wouldn't notice that either. But it's not until you do mm. the correct white balance that you can see just how much of a colour cast that is. So there's two ways to avoid that colour cast. What you can do, and I, I recommend that if you're going to get into headshot photography and it's not an expensive investment, that you actually get yourself two or three reflectors, those five-in-one 
reflectors mm. because they're so handy. So for this sort of session, you could have one above the model's head to get rid of the dappled light, and then you could place another large reflector directly in front of the model with the white side up, and that means that when any light that's bouncing around is going to bounce off the white side of the reflector back into the model's face, and that will get rid of a lot of the green color cast, all right, which is a really uh, handy thing to do. So that's one thing that you want to look out for. So a white balance is crucial, and I can see that you've done that, Jenny. And again, there are episodes with detailed descriptions of how to get the right white balance uh, in post-production and before you even shoot. So that's important. And then mm -hmm. finally, it's just working on uh, connection and getting the background looking great. And I can see where you photographed your models with a longer lens and uh, a, an open aperture. You've thrown the background out of focus and I prefer those because it, it's uh, less distracting in the background. But I think you've done a great job with these, Jenny. Just that, those little tweaks, so easy to fix. So I can't wait to see what you post next. Yeah, absolutely. And if you're a member of the Gold community, Jean has done a tutorial actually where she shot me where there's grass in front of me and there's a green tinge, but then she um, just put a towel, a white towel in front and the green tinge went away as well. So that's just a, a tutorial for those of you in the Gold community if you want to look that up. Now there is a question from Chad who has the simple message, trying to get better at headshots, <laughs> constructive critique, welcome. And he's provided a shot of a young boy, he probably looks about eight, and he's a very sweet, gorgeous kid. He's definitely got some connection there. You know, the kid, you can he's, he's just so warm and friendly. He's looking straight at the camera and there's uh, some lighting to camera right. And there's sort of like a, he's got a grey and maroon shirt on and the background is also maroon and the young boy has kind of like seems like dark brown hair yep so and chad has done a great shot a, a great job lighting this image and uh just on the on the question uh the best way to ask questions for uh cc is mm -hmm. to provide as much description as possible when you're asking um, for CC. So you want to provide uh, the lens that you used, uh, the camera that you used, and the lighting that you used. And then from there, I've got an idea of, okay, they've used it like there's a softbox camera right or a beauty dish over the model, or you've used two lights and you've used a long lens or a, and it just makes my job a lot easier Chad so and anyone listening because we're very happy to answer your questions but the more information you can provide us the easier it is to give you more specific uh, critique on those images this image here I think you've done a fantastic job lighting the lighting is very clean a uh, couple of things that I notice is that looks like that there is a gel on the backlight and the reason I say that is uh, the the edges of his hair are also uh, like a maroon color so it looks like you've used a, a, a light behind the model to light the background but that light has mm. also spilled onto the person's head so whether that's deliberate or not I'm not sure but I would probably uh, not have the gel because it's now his hair is blending into the background and have like a 
a light without a gel on the background instead and have it a, a little bit more powerful so there is better separation between the head, the hair, and the background. So when you've got someone with dark hair and then a dark background, they kind of blend into the background. So you want to you want to have separation. So a backlight will do that and it'll just give that nice edge glow, much like if you photograph someone backlit by the sun, you get that nice little halo around them. It separates them from the background. So that's probably what I do differently. And I can also see that if I zoom in uh, closely, I can see the nose shadow and uh, just a bit of the shadow from the flash. And that's the tell that an image has been lit. And what you want to be trying to work on, Chad, is making sure that your lighting looks undetectable so that you can't tell uh, where the light was or how, how it was lit and you're trying to avoid no shadows and the way you can do that is by using a larger diffuser so that the light is much softer and also uh, the, uh, bring the light in a lot closer to your model is also going to give you uh, a softer light with less of that no shadow and also with your positioning uh, light flat on so that so if you think that if you've got um, the nose of a person is going to block the light, right? And that's what causes the shadow. So if you can bring the light around so that it's hitting the subject flat on, you're going to avoid that nose shadow. So that's why my preferred style of lighting for headshots is to bring the light up um, above the person's head and flat on. And it's just a really uh, clean way of lighting. And you can sort of tilt it slightly off center if you want to get some more definition and shape to the face. But just, again, these are tiny, tiny, tiny little tweaks. So if you try those next time, um, I think you'll get a, a really nice image. But I think you've done a great job with this one. So well done. Yeah, great job. All right, so from Dylan, Dylan has said, Hi all, I'm trying to learn headshot and basic lifestyle photography to appeal to local business people. Love to hear a CC on these. Any tips you have for connecting with your subject? And uh, Dylan has provided, it's so he's photographed one person in a variety of um, poses. One is a shot that uh, has a plain background. It looks like it could be that person's office um, and, and it's a fairly tight headshot. Another one is a tight headshot, but it is out, outside. And another one, which I really like, is um, a shot of that person walking towards the camera, but not looking at the camera, but it's kind of in a corridor that has a lot of columns to one side. So there's lots of these great lines because there's also this wonderful um, brick in these columns. So there's these great lines that um, lead the eye through the, through the um, image. So it's of the same person. And I think shooting local business people is a great idea because an increasing number of um, small businesses are realizing the importance of having a face to, to, to their business and they're featuring their team members on their website. Yeah, true. So there's like more and more opportunities for photographers to shoot more and more people and you do need a variety of shots and, uh, you know, you can tell the, the local businesses that it's not enough to just have one headshot. You need multiple headshots for all your different uh, social media uses and press releases and every, everyone's out there having having uh, needing a, a different profile. So with these, Dylan, I love that you've given 
uh, your client here three very different looks. So yes. there's, um, and and I think that that the 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 first one, clean background, is your every every portrait for every day. Like it could be used for anything, and then uh, beautiful smile and connection there. And then having the walking shot, the walking shot is fantastic for whenever you're um, trying to uh, do a, a full length shot of someone who is uh, a bit awkward, which is probably everyone who's not used to being photographed, just asking them to walk towards camera is the easiest thing because it gives them something to do. So giving your model something to do would probably be the best uh, tip I can give you for basic lifestyle photography. So when I'm trying to shoot mm. someone in a lifestyle fashion, which is basically uh, less posed, it, it it looks like we've happened to walk past their work with a with a camera and taken their photo of them doing something. So, and the way I do it is like for the walking shot, I just say, "All right, go all the way to the end. Now walk towards me." Keep walking. Now look out to your left. That's great. Put your hands in your pockets. Look to the right and you're snapping constantly. You've got your focus mode set on continuous focus and you're just continually um, snapping that. And then I also get them to turn away and walk away from camera. And uh, that's a, a great way to get that walking away shot, which could be used for I don't know, looking forward to the future. or So there's a million one uses for those. I'm sure I've done one of you walking away from camera, Val, in the day at some point. So that's very handy. Uh, and then uh, there's also one with the brick background. Now, the plain background shot, I like everything you've done. It looks like a great connection. Uh, for me, I think uh, a longer lens would have been preferable. Uh, the lens, it looks like you've come in very tight, and I might be wrong with a wide lens, so it does have a like looks looks a tad distorted. Uh, and then uh, the you want to be looking for uh, lovely uh, directional light. So again, that tip that we gave in the first CC today, where to look for the best lighting first. It all revolves around the lighting. So you want to uh, scope the location before the shoot at the same time that you're going to do the shoot. And again, don't take your styrofoam head with you or take a friend and do some test shots in all the different locations until you really train your eye to see good light. And you'll get to the point, um, a lot of my Goldies are at that point now where they can rock up to a location and they can just in, in seconds go bang. There's the good light there. That's that's shot one. There's shot two. There's shot three. And that comes down to doing this again and again and again, and then you know uploading your critiques and and uh, working out what you might have got wrong and finding that light. That is the most crucial part of taking a good headshot. So the uh, second headshot that you've done is actually heavily backlit. So. Uh, what you've got is a, a, there's a lot of flare on the camera where the light is bouncing onto the camera and the the my eye naturally goes to the brightest part of the frame, which is the background that is blown out. Now, you could probably take this image into Lightroom and just adjust that and uh, increase the exposure and add some more black and some more contrast and you'll get a, a, a decent um, file out of that. But what you want to do is save yourself that trouble and make sure that you nail that in the first instance when you're doing the shot in camera. So you could either 
use a reflector with the maybe the silver side and hold that up and bounce some light back into your model's face. But the biggest game changer is to actually learn off-camera flash uh, and bounce some light into your model. And when you get really good at using off-camera flash, you can make it look like natural daylight anyway. And that means that you can do these sorts of shots anywhere. And, and that that simple learning, that simple skill alone is going to set you apart from about 80% of all the other photographers who just do this sort of stuff with daylight. So learning off-camera flash is definitely definitely going to be a game changer for you, Dylan. So good job on these. I like how you've uh, had lots of variety and I want you to keep practicing. Get yourself a styrofoam head and mm. take yourself out to as many different lighting locations as possible, different scenarios so that you can then be able to find that beautiful lighting and find those locations really quickly. Yeah, brilliant. All right, and we have a question from Fran, and also welcome back, Fran, to the Gold Community. Good yes. to have you back. Yes. Fran, Fran's awesome. Yes. Now, Fran has um, three different headshots and has said, I've been shooting headshots for members of the local women in business group. They had several meetings aimed at improving their online presence, and I did these shots after they had a makeover with a local makeup artist. Keen to hear more about... Um, the new course, the new course on headshots, which is coming up yeah. to improve on these further. Now, I think that this is such a great idea because she has teamed up with a makeup artist and made sure that she's done the shots after they've had the makeover with the makeup artist. And it's not a heavy duty makeover at all. It looks very, very nice, very natural. They look great because sometimes um, all it takes is that professional touch you know a little bit of styling with the hair some professional makeup that's still natural but it can just give that real polished look that can lift the photos as well can can really help now these photos are clearly of um business women um and uh and and she shot most of the well, there's three shots but they're they're against a gray background of varying degrees of gray depending on which shot um she's which shot she's done and they're all um looking at the camera in various poses all right so what do you think Gina I think you've done an excellent job here Fran and I love the idea of teaming up the the makeup is like these are all little one percenters and this is again yeah, the sense. stuff this, look anyone with a camera can call themselves a photographer today, but like, you know, all these little things like learning how to light, but learning how to light next level and you can completely change the shape of a person's face. And this new headshot course that is coming out very, very soon, uh, I demonstrate the difference. Like you think that a portrait shot with daylight looks good until I show you what you can do next level. You can completely sculpt uh, and change the, the way a person's face looks and it still looks natural but it just looks next level and it's got this slick look and when you uh, light using the techniques that I show you in this course, it just... People don't understand why it looks so good. They're not technical, but they just know that when their photo is put with, you know, all the other photos, the eye is naturally drawn to the one that looks slicker. So things like having the hair and makeup done, having an idea about 
colours, colour choices for people. And I can see that Fran has uh, been following my advice here. And the woman with the beautiful blue eyes wearing the beautiful blue jacket, mm, her eyes great. just pop and it Thank looks you. amazing. And she's also, I can see that uh, she's lit this portrait in the way that I've taught her, which is fantastic, Fran. And also the connection. And that is, and you'll see in this course, uh, you, you'll see me work with someone from the first time I meet them to going through their wardrobe to all the stuff that I say to them. Yeah. And you'll realize that it's not just a matter of, okay, sit down, smile, no smile. Great. Yeah. Okay. See ya. It, you, like, you know, for a fact that how much I work. <laughs> Absolutely. To get the best out of a subject, and it's about eighty percent of my time is spent on connecting, and it looks like I'm uh, just talking about nothing really, uh, mm. and I'm just just to try and put my model at ease so that they feel more relaxed. And there's just the, the I talk constantly through the shoot just to get them out of their head. She and, does. And uh, what what am I keep saying to you when I shot you last? Your beautiful Facebook profile pic. I'm so proud of that shot. But it was like there was like I worked you for that. Even you, who I know really well, I kept saying, "Stay in the room, Val. Stay in the room yes. with me. Be here with me." So these connection tips are so important, and it's not enough for the model to give you the shot, which is what a lot of photographers will do and they often go away at the end of the shoot if they didn't get what they want the, the what they'll say is it was the model's fault they weren't relaxed and comfortable but it's mm. not it's your job as the photographer to develop that connection and draw that person out and see and actually recognize and and the, one of the tutorials that I'm um, just about to record for this course, Val, is mm. um, how to recognize when the eyes are connected to the camera in a shot. What's right. the difference between, yeah. and I call it when somebody's home versus when somebody's not home in the portrait. And that's in the eyes. And I can tell immediately, I can tell when I'm having a conversation if someone is actually listening, listening to me or they're actually mm. uh, worrying about, uh, the, the latest Game of Thrones episode that they, they want to go home and watch because I can see in the eyes if someone is engaged. And people who look at a headshot uh, won't know this uh, consciously, but they will know this unconsciously. And the way we communicate as humans is unconsciously. And there's all these tiny, tiny visual cues, and this is all next-level stuff, but that's what makes one headshot stand out over the other to, to make sure that that connection is absolutely real. And so it's using all these techniques uh, that I that I teach in this course and uh, that, that, that Fran is uh, definitely been using there uh, to take it next level. And there's so many other things, Fran, like that, the shot of the lady in the head uh, with the blue um, jacket on, I would have had her head forward and chin down a bit more. And that's going to shape the bottom of her, uh, the, the jawline, because a great headshot is all about the jawline. So there's all these uh, extra techniques that I share with you in that course. Fantastic. So there's um, lots to look forward to. Yeah, hey. yeah, yeah. Brilliant, brilliant. Well, I haven't been shooting headshots. I've actually been taking the tips from the episode that you did on how to photograph art. Fantastic. And I have been applying them. So I ordered my lights 
So yeah, I've got a whole lighting kit. Um, I've I did the I've I've made the um, uh, art be as vertical as possible. Yep. I've squared off everything. I've got my five uh, D Mark II on the tripod. I have got the lights on each side of the artwork facing each other. It's counterintuitive, but yeah. it absolutely works. It's um it works so much better than having the lights you know onto the art. Um, the I use the uh, timer. Um, so that even my finger pressing the button isn't going to um, cause any camera shake because you do have to have a fairly slow shutter speed. And, um, yeah, it's I've, I basically had your tutorial in the show notes open yeah. as I set it all up and as I did all my settings. And um, it's working a treat. Fantastic, Val. That's so awesome. Yes. That's so good to hear. Very good. And I'm, and so far the I'm still waiting on a couple of um. I'm just looking around the room to see if they've arrived, um, of the actual printed products to arrive. But certainly in Photoshop and you know in whatever Adobe products I'm using, um, the resolution is of such a superior quality to what I have been getting. Really, Um, but. Yeah, it's really good. So the proof of the pudding will be when I get the printed, um, at the actual physical product, yep. which is arriving very soon. But if the image on Photoshop is anything, is any indication, it's um, going to be really good. But I'll have the printed products soon, I think. I think they're en route. Fantastic. So and very then, exciting. Yeah, I mean, as an artist, I think that, that, that now you've got that set have you got have you found somewhere where you can permanently set up your lights so you're not having to no oh, so this see is that would the be the thing. other ideal yes that would be the other ideal um i must admit as i set up the lights so if anyone else is going through the same thing push through because in in the setting up of the lights I was swearing my head off. Yeah. Not that it was even that hard, but it is, you know, there's just lots of things um, going on at once. And um, I was swearing my head off and kind of going, oh, is this going to work, blah, 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 blah. But it worked. So it was absolutely worth the, the, the initial pain of setting it up. And, um, and, of course, it was only because that was the first time I was setting up in that formation and and in the room that I had it in. Now that I know, I have a more systematic approach to setting it up, and I've already got my next. I've already started my next batch of um of artwork. I mean, putting them aside. So that's the next um, session I'm going to have, um, to to show all the art. But yeah, I do. I would like to have a dedicated section in my house. Yeah, but you know, that can't you make I an extension or something, or go up another yeah. floor. <laughs> Go down. What's the pool being used for? Just put a roof on that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which would make sense since I've lived here for four years and have never set foot in the pool. No, the pool's green, isn't it? No. Oh, it's not green. It's clean. blue. Oh, good, 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 good. We have good. like you know, we measure it and test it and stuff. 
Great. So the resistance comes in that like whenever you're doing something for the first time, like listening, like even these tips that we've been giving today, like it all sounds, it's all very confusing, but the learning is in the doing. And that's why I say like do push through the first time and yes, you'll be frustrated, but then, Mm. you know, it all makes sense and you can have the podcast on in the background while you, you know, fumbling through it. And by the second and third time, a lot of the stuff that you missed in in the first uh, hearing of these instructions starts to make sense. And that's with, you know, learning a new lighting style and learning a new editing style as well. So like a lot of the gold members will have my tutorial on and then they'll open one of their images and they'll just follow along. And, you know, always make sure you do this stuff in your own time when there's not someone yeah. looking over your shoulder rather than... Uh, under pressure when you've got all these eyes on you because you're going to forget stuff and and you know even the most seasoned professional might forget something when they're under pressure and the more you do this the muscle memory sets in and you just can you remember all these things and it's like time slows down and you'll Mm. you'll work it out and it'll be amazing and then you'll be so proud of yourself like valley's right now so up herself about being able to photograph her art. It's fantastic. So up herself. So up herself. It's great. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so definitely push through because it was definitely worth it. And considering what I was paying previously for the fine art photographer, oh, my God, the money I am saving, I mean, is is ridiculous. Yeah. It's probably paid for the gear that you. It has paid for the gear. It is more than paid for the gear. Wow, that's amazing! Great. Well, that makes Mm. me really happy, Val. Great. And it was not even the cheapest lights. Like they were, um, uh, you know, I didn't buy the 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 most basic level. I had bought the one that has some options and and um, uh, don't look too, you know, cheap and nasty kind of thing. But it. It's working really well. And your art, you can go next level with that. And we talked about how, like, you've got those gold leaf sections, which are really Mm. hard to photograph, but you can then keep using tripod. You can take multiple exposures and then you can blend those exposures in post-production so that you can bring out the gold and deepen colours and there's Mm. so much you can do. And when it's your own, you're in front of the screen seeing because you know exactly how you want the art to be represented as a print. So yep. fantastic. Very exciting. So thank you for that uh, episode, Gina. You're welcome. All right. So we've come to the end of this week's episode. Uh, where do we find you online, Gina? I'm at ginamilitia.com. Uh, so that's G-I-N-A-M-I-L-I-C-I-A. I'm on Instagram at Gina Militia, Twitter at Gina Militia, and you can also find me in the podcast Facebook group. So you want to be a photographer podcast Facebook group. Is that right, Val? You so you want to be a photographer podcast like, community. That's pretty close. And uh, if you want to take your photography to the next level, then I'd love for you to join me in the goal community and we lots of uh, tutorials and I will hold your hand and uh, give you the little push that you need uh, and you can be just like Val getting out there and uh, taking great photos of your art or whatever discipline in photography you want to do. What about you, Val? You'll find me at Valerie Koo, that's K-H-O-O, on Twitter and Instagram and over at ValerieKoo.com. 
Thanks for listening, everyone, and we look forward to chatting to you again next time. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer. For more information, free resources, and Gina's regular newsletter on everything you need to know to become a successful photographer, visit GinaMalisha.com.